Welcome back, everyone, to An Ounce and a Pound, where we are continuing our exploration of the role prevention has in our lives and communities. I am Jason Meekma, the Executive Director of Focus on Community, a prevention agency in Racine, Wisconsin, and I will be your host. As we continue our journey in exploring prevention, we are going to look at a generational perspective, and we'll be speaking with Jared Simonson and Anna Lee, uh, two recent graduates of UW-Wisconsin. Jared Simonson is an alumni from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he graduated with a bachelor's degree of arts in communication and economics. On campus, he worked closely with first-year students as residence assistants, helping new college students acclimate to life in the dorms. Jared volunteers in the, with the Racine Theater Guild and currently works for Open Box Creative in Milwaukee as their marketing and entertainment director. Jared's experience with prevention efforts range from focused programs such as FAST and Life Skills to his time as an RA where he actively served as a prevention resource to his peers on campus. Anna is a recent University of Wisconsin-Madison graduate as well with degrees in psychology and neurobiology. She is now attending the University of Minnesota Twin Cities working towards her PhD in school psychology. Her experiences include several mentoring, tutoring, and volunteer positions working with people ages 5 to 24 as an advocate for their personal and academic growth. During her last two years of undergrad, Anna worked directly with many first-year students as a residential assistant where she advocated for the prevention of academic burnout and good decision-making surrounding alcohol, during her free time, she enjoys watching movies and TV shows with her friends, along with doing arts and crafts. That is fantastic. And thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate your time today. Of course, of it's course. great to be here. So obviously, we are talking about prevention. And, you know, the two of you have a bit of a different road in your experiences with prevention. Um, Jared, obviously, some, some background directly in prevention services. Uh, Anna, your career is really heading in that direction. Um, yep. with the, the psychology and neurobiology piece of it. So kind of thinking back and forth uh, between the two of you, how would you each define prevention, either in your own lives or, or maybe just as a concept? Um, I see prevention as a tool to ensure that future problems don't happen, just really as like a mediating step before having to take more serious measures in order to combat a problem. Yeah, and to me, prevention is kind of a twofold answer. It's like, it's addressing a problem. There has to be a problem that prevention methods are in place. You can't prevent something that you don't know what that problem is. And then it's proactively creating those steps to make sure that problem doesn't happen. Laying down that foundation, but having an end goal of what you're trying to stop or make better in the end. Yeah, and what we're trying to explore here is the generational perspective of what prevention means. And, and I think the two of you really highlighted the general concept of prevention. And I think it, it, that transcends generations um, with the concept of prevention. But I think there's clearly a role that it's played in each generational landscape, if you will. Jared, I like the way that you're kind of framing that and, and having an end goal in mind as you're creating the prevention services or prevention practices you're putting forward. I think there's certainly a role um, that prevention has. But I guess what I would like to know from the two of you and your perspective, you know, as, as young adults entering the, the workforce and really gearing up for the rest of your lives, do you really believe that prevention has a prominent role in society right now? Have you seen that through your experiences? And w where do you think that is? I think in terms of generational differences, I think our generation is very focused on um, mental health 
and ensuring that people understand what mental health is, that there's less of a stigma surrounding mental health, and um, that people are taking action to ensure that what they're doing is good for themselves. So I think it plays a prominent role in our society in terms of ensuring that students know how, or students or kids or um, young adults know how to take care of themselves in a ever-evolving workforce and world where there's just so much happening now with even like which like knowing how to take care of our mental health during this virus or knowing how to take care of ourselves when there are racial issues that are just very clearly prominent within our society and we are constantly bombarded with it in the age of social media and knowing how to ensure that we can both take care of ourselves if we're imp- impacted by that and knowing how to actively help organizations who are working to fight against these things. I think something to kind of reflect off that is something I've noticed through my college career and through growing up and things like that is that the role of prevention in society has very much been shaped by the people I'm around. So during my time on a college campus, I so much more had that focus on mental health, those around me, that kind of thing. Whereas growing up and like surrounding myself with those who worked in the substance abuse prevention, those that was kind of the focus. So it's like the, the focale of whatever prevention is in my life. It like people are always trying to work to make things the best they can possibly be. I think prevention is always at like the heart of hearts of people, but what that focus is tends to shift while we uh, transition through our lives and transition with the times. Right. And I think in terms of like being a prominent role in society, I think our, our generation, like the generations um, that are coming after us, universal healthcare, even in like the U S is not something that would have even been thought of before our generation. I don't think like, I think there were some people pushing it for it, but I don't think there was a large enough population that was really pushing for ensuring that people get the care they need in order, like just like general preventive things, right? Like teeth cleanings and eye exams and physical checkups, ensuring that everyone has access to those things. So they are preventing bigger personal health issues going on. And I think that's something that I've personally seen as a growing movement within our generation and the generations after us and what we're pushing for for, from our lawmakers. Yeah, I think the two of you hit on some really significant points in there and the differences that we're seeing generationally. And Anna, kind of what you're wrapping up with with the universal health care and all the impacted pieces of that that have moved forward and the much more critical look that younger generations are having to take is as they explore what those options are going to look like, especially with the landscape changing. You know, and you mentioned things like social issues that are happening around the country and social media um, and all of those things that, that as you're reflecting on generations prior, you know, and even my generation, which is just a, a generation before yours, wasn't really a thing until much later in my young adulthood and up into parenthood. So Anna, to follow up a little bit on your educational background, when you're looking at the, the concept of social media and, and the concept of these social issues, what role does the, the psychological impact play in how people are preparing for these sorts of things? And do you feel that prevention is being considered in, in, as people are addressing these things, like how they're engaging on social media, like how they're preparing for significant life choices? Yeah, um, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not an expert in the field of sure. like social media impacts on people. I can really only speak to myself and like those that I've seen around me and how social media impacts them. I think social media definitely has its positives in terms of spreading a message very quickly across many people. And I think that 
aids and prevention in terms of making sure people are educated on the issues mm-hmm. and they can work toward their own ways of solving whatever issues they feel passionate about. In terms of like taking care of oneself, I don't think people are necessarily taught how to limit their social media consumption so it doesn't mm-hmm. impact them so negatively mm-hmm. that they end up feeling burnt out from social media and what they see. Because I think we have the world at our fingertips, right? Like we can see any issue happening around the world. And that can be a lot to take in if that's like constantly what you're seeing on your feeds. Not to say that's not an important thing to see. Social media doesn't necessarily have like a timer on itself, right? Like people yeah. download apps to say like, this is how much I can use this, this app for a day. But that's not re- something readily built in. So right. I don't think it takes into account, I guess, like people taking care of themselves in terms of how much social media they're consuming. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And I like that concept of the consumption of this thing that it seems to have an endless supply and really kind of considering that from a prevention perspective. And Jared, I know that you have had some pretty significant roles in managing social media and being Mm -hmm. engaged in that sort of thing. So kind of, can you come at it from that perspective and what you've seen and what impact do you feel it's having on the prevention arena and, and what could we be looking to do a little bit differently moving forward? Yeah. I mean, very much social media is like an entertainment resource similar to the TV that was in our faces as children to like, you can go back to radio and newspapers. It, it is the advertising. It is the media. It is the like things that we put in front of our face every single day. It is just so much more readily available in our pockets nowadays. And that, that has changed the landscape immensely to just the quantities at which we consume things is through the roof. And with that in mind, I think that every single aspect, both positively and negatively from those medias has just been amplified alongside it. So yes, the information is there. Yes, the power to know, the power to educate, the power to get whatever information you need to console any need you might ever have is readily available. However, I think that there are too many times in the corporate landscape of marketing where it is just about still that old school adage of getting people to look at your thing, whether that's the billboard, whether that's the advertisement, what have you. It's all about the numbers and that, that's what the reality of it. The reality of it is that when people are designing these apps, they are designed to be the most addictive apps out there. They are designed to have people listen and be on them as much as possible. And I don't think that's something that prevention, the general prevention has kind of addressed as a problem yet as something that we need to be mindful of because the addictive nature of these apps, although it has been addressed in a couple studies, has been addressed in a couple cases The reality of it is that they're just becoming more and more parts of our regular everyday lives, and there are genuinely some detrimental effects that can come from having that so readily available. Yeah, and that is fascinating and a really interesting build off of what Anna was saying about that consumption piece and then it not being considered as strongly in the prevention arena and putting parameters in place. Like what you're saying, Anna, is there's no really structured restrictions uh, on that that entire environment. And I agree, Jared, I think we're looking at an addiction level situation where that is a very hard thing to fathom given the, the, the thought that information is a good thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when it has zero limitations and you introduce free speech and all of the other components to it, you're really looking at a, a bit of a hurricane effect here and everything being really overpowering and overwhelming if it's not handled properly. So that kind of leads me to the next question about looking at prevention a- as a potential tool to a lot of these issues we may need to face, we may need to address, whether it's social media, whether it's substance abuse, whatever it may be. Do you feel that prevention is taken seriously as a solution to large and then to just everyday issues? I think a lot of problems, especially in recent years, have so much relied on a reactive nature, whether that is in a healthcare sense or in a PR, like communication sense, like whenever there is some sort of action that someone has done in the past that comes to light that angers the online community, angers people. It is always a reactive kind of way rather than a proactive, how do we become better? And I think that is continually shown both in small scale and like everyday issues that the way that we are addressing problems continues to be a, well, this happened, here's how we're going to change it, here's the reaction to it, here's the repercussions of it, or in like a trying to fix it kind of sense, like here, here's the steps we can make now that this has happened rather than prevention thing. And it, it, it just continues to be the case in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of reactivity in the way that we solve problems. And I don't know how much of that is maybe in the past, we kind of shove things under the rug. We're like, this is fine. We'll just keep going forward. And people didn't really talk about it. Things weren't really brought to light. And now with within our generation and our future generation, like Gen X, and like within Gen Z, we're really able to bring about issues that we're seeing in the world. Everyone has a camera on these days. And like, we can really just share with anyone injustices that people are seeing in the world. So I think because of the ability to share, there is a lot of uh, reactivity in how to solve problems. I think moving forward, we're hopefully looking at more prevention. And I know there are more organizations like yours that are trying to make sure that these problems aren't coming to light on the internet, or even like if we are bringing them to light, that we're working on solutions then to make sure that these problems don't happen again in the future. Yeah, you know, and Anna, I think that's that's an interesting piece of all of this is, you know, that kind of ignore it and it'll go away mentality and, and not really addressing things until it becomes a problem, which, you know, and earlier you had referred to reducing stigma around issues and stigma seems to me to kind of be the anti-prevention. Um, where we allow things to build up to become such a cautionary thing in people's minds, though it shouldn't be in a lot of cases because you want it to be able to be out there and to be talked about and to be learned about and to be understood. So I think it, it's, it is an important piece that you're looking, that you're bringing up there and that, that we can't ignore these things and we can't, we have to diffuse or eliminate the stigma around And it's not just things like mental health or substance abuse. It is most things that we deal with, whether it's police reform or, you know, any of the other social issues that have happened, you know, throughout our country and throughout our history. I think it is important that we start to diffuse the stigma component to introduce then the prevention component. Um, You know, and in the prevention arena, we, we talk about the recovery side of things and recovery is prevention. It's just introducing those prevention concepts in tune with that reactionary piece of it. So uh, I really appreciate the two of you really highlighting that angle 
and, and I think that it, it is really important that we continue to explore that. But the two of you are in a unique phase of your lives where you've graduated college now. You're looking at the next steps. Anna, you're going to grad school. Jared, you're starting a career. You know, and, and that's really an, an exciting time. But it strikes me that that is a really good opportunity to introduce prevention practices. You know, so as young adults getting started on uh, careers or next steps in school uh, and mapping out your futures, what role do you see prevention playing potentially in your own lives or other young adults' lives? So we both worked as resident assistants at our college. And I think something that I really took away from that was being able to see how students treated the academic space. And I think while education is incredibly important for everyone, it can also be a very stressful time and it can lead to a lot of poor decision-making, whether that be staying up till 3 a.m. to finish writing a paper or, or like not eating healthy because that's like what's quick and what's available, um, not getting the exercise people need. And I think for me going forward, I tried very hard in my communities to create a sense of safety amongst all of us where we really pushed each other to be our best and we pushed each other to take care of ourselves and say like, hey, it's 2 a.m. You've been working on this for five hours. Why don't you go to sleep and work on it again tomorrow? Or I have an exam in a week and I think we should really plan out how to start studying for this sooner rather than cramming for it last minute. And I think these practices are something that are coming out more and they're definitely good in preventing academic burnout where people don't feel like college is too much. And I mean, like it's hard, don't get me wrong. College is hard, but these, uh, these preventative factors that we're putting in really help make it more manageable. And I think moving forward, that's something that I definitely have to take with me. Like I have to remind myself, go to bed at a reasonable hour, get a, get a good amount of sleep, make sure I'm eating my vegetables and fruits in a day. And like really, really just watching out for my own personal mental health and seeing like what is too much for me to take on, what is just enough, and how can I continue moving forward, pursuing my degree without burning out. I think uh, for me, with the transitions I've made thus far in my life from high school to college, college to graduated life and careers, and that the one constant that I've had through it all to aid in prevention and keeping me on track and keeping me together as a person has been those uh, networks of friends and peers alongside me. Finding the like-minded peers that can help me and I can help them all stay together on a track. Kind of what Anna was talking about, about how she created a community and our goals as residence assistants was to create those communities where people found those connections, but emphasizing that it's who you know and the people you surround yourself with continue to shape who you are for the rest of your life and also realizing that you're always going to be meeting new people, introducing yourself to new situations with new individuals and finding the tools to be able to explore those new scenarios with those individuals and finding the connections despite the change. Like you're always going to meet those new people, but it's how you find yourself in those situations that makes you stronger on the other end. Wow, I, th I think the two of you really highlighted a significant component of this that I'm looking forward to carrying on into future episodes is that concept of that it really takes a community pr to practice prevention. You know, you hear it takes a community to raise a child. I really think that applies in this. You know, Anna, you're talking about 
looking out for each other in the dorms and trying to work with people to keep their mental health in line, whether it's through eating healthy, through all the other pieces, you know, that, that you can introduce to help them with that. Jared, you're talking about the, the people you carry with you throughout a lifetime that help shape those things. And it really does take all of those factors in helping make sure people can build resilience and then continue to enforce and, and put in place that prevention mentality. So thank you for, for bringing that to light. That was a highlight moment, I think, which is pretty cool. You know, and it really does hearken to those developmental asset pieces where people need to have certain pieces in their life to help them be more successful, which kind of leads us to the wrap up here. And, and I always like to end these conversations on a a takeaway or an action item or just, you know, some, some feedback that people can take with them. So in what ways do the two of you feel that people could proactively introduce prevention strategies into their own lives? I think if there, people are doing this on their own personal level, I think it takes a lot of self-evaluation and awareness about what are things that people want to do better for themselves and in their lives. I think back to the beginning of what Jared was saying before, like awareness is a big part in prevention because we need to know what the problems are in order to not have them happen again. Whether that be through people journaling or talking to themselves or going to a therapist if they have that ability to, just figuring out what they want to do better for themselves. And I think the other thing that goes along with that, my takeaway I'd like to give is figuring out how you can communicate yourself to other individuals who might not see a problem. One of the biggest reasons why we never find and implement these prevention methods is because people don't know how to readily address any given problem. And being able to communicate to individuals the way that that is affecting you, the way that is affecting other people. Being able to engage in a conversation with them is the first steps to being able to create the change. And I think that is the biggest thing is just being able to start those conversations, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a talking to your friend, showing them a video, or just knowing how to ask for help, knowing how to ask for help, all yeah. these things, just ways to engage and start a conversation is the first steps to change. Uh, that is fantastic and such an excellent note to end on. Uh, Anna, Jared, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today, for talking a little bit about prevention with me and for giving some some great perspective and insight from your world. And, and just really uh, am excited to see where you all take your futures and the great impact you have in the world around you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And once again, this has been an episode of An Ounce and a Pound. We thank you for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.